Welcome to the fourth episode of Output Galleries podcast. We started with an origin story episode about how the gallery came to be and why we work with people from and based in Merseyside exclusively. So the first two episodes were artist interviews with Joseph Cockrave and Lotierney. Uh, and if you missed any of that, all you need to know is output is super local we want to support the local art scene and we do that out of our liverpool city center gallery which is only small but you know it was opened in april 2018 it has a high turnover of exhibitions and it's just a way to try and raise the profile and put some money in people's pockets so my name is gabrielle de la puente and i run the space and i've started this podcast series in response to lockdown and this sort of weird time after it where lockdown has technically been lifted but we know that many people are still shielding and probably won't be making it down to exhibitions and other events and kind of on top of that as well um you know there's possibly going to be a second lockdown at some point or a local lockdown in Liverpool if it spikes so it's good to try and move as much of our content onto the internet so that people can still engage with artists ideas and their exhibitions and through this podcast we're going to be talking to those people uh, but also you know the processes and inspirations behind the work that they make so in this episode we are joined by Shaila Kamari Singh Berman who is from born in Bootle, Liverpool, and was involved with the Black British art movement, which brought many black and brown artists together and to significance in the 1980s. I don't want to give you too big of an introduction because I want this episode to allow you to introduce yourself so that if any listeners are not already familiar with your work, they can learn more. But also because I know you can talk for England. So just to start off, how are you? And how has lockdown been on your mm, end? Right. Uh, oh, well, honestly, I have dead lucky, you know, because I've got a gorgeous studio. I'm fantastically lucky to have this space because um, I wasn't the only artist here. Lots of us were here. And we're all being, you know, as sensible as we can. I just, I just carried on like normal. In fact, I probably forgot some days this was all happening you know because when you get engrossed in your work you're just getting carried away and you're not really thinking about what's happening in the outside world um and so honestly i was so lucky to have the studio because you see you know because i've got the tape britain winter commission um i had to prepare some ideas for the next zoom meeting having with them so i was um i thought well it's better to um do some ideas uh, as works of art rather than um, a talky-talk meeting. Because one, as you know, us Scousers can talk the talk to the cows come home, and so can Punjabis. So I thought, well, if I do something on paper, and anyway, I can, my work's better visually. Ideas are better when they're visually expressed for me. And so I didn't have to do this, but I thought it'd be better for the Zoom meeting. Um, but they did say I was very eloquent at the Zoom meeting as well. So, so uh, you know, a combination of the ideas and the um, eloquence, the meeting worked really, really well. So um, I worked dead hard in the studio. Um, it was a bit like you know when you do art A level, you do those preparation sheets. I don't know if they still do them now. We actually said at the Zoom meeting, you know, 
I've done what you call what you do, you know, similar things. You know? And it was hilarious because it was only my first Zoom meeting, I think. I was trying to figure out how to hold them up, whether I was supposed to go close up or back or, oh my God, that was a bit of a mad one. But they all kept on saying they're absolutely gorgeous. Can you email them to us? And, um, and, um, and so, uh, and also because my studio, as you know, it looks like a shop, you know, uh, like a paper chase shop or a bazaar in India, up in Jab, and so I've got, I've got like everything here. So, uh, I mean, how lucky, because I could just like, you know, pull out anything and make it look absolutely fabulous, because, um, cause, uh, you know, it's an, an important gig. So um, that's um, that's what I was doing. Um, Oh, Joel, oh gosh, but I mean, I've been really busy during the whole of lockdown. I mean, so I did that, and then I had to, uh, oh gosh, and then, oh, isn't that funny because I just said, gosh, that's Great Auburn Street Hospital. I was commissioned by gosh uh, to do uh, a piece of work um, to do with all the whole virus um, situation, and um that was fantastic, uh, 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 and I done. I, I did an octagon because I done an octagon before before because mm-hmm. I've got a lot of uh, spiritual elements and a lot of positivity connected to um, an octagon. You know, with this mm-hmm. eight. So, what did you actually do for the commission? What did you make? Well, I used I used a collage, and I used a lot of washi tape because I fall in love with washi tape. I love it, and um, covered the whole corners with an ele- elephant's elephant's uh, the 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 elephant's trotting along, and uh, I've got this washi tape with elephants, and that went all around the edge first, and then um, as you know, this octagon it goes it starts wide, and then it starts to go a bit skinnier, and then the next the the next washi uh, washi tape round uh, next round of washi tape with these darts or something because it looked like that has a lot of movement in it so these darts it's almost like um in darts when you play darts like going around and then the next load was a polka dot black and gold i quite like polka dot that looked really sweet and then the next one was um unicorns i got some unicorn wash tape because kids love unicorns so i thought that was nice and then i had some some rock looked like rock from southport you know southport rock looked like rock uh, next one was clouds, and they that's a Japanese washi tape, that's my favorite actually. And uh, then I had uh, ice cream corners because I've got ice cream corner washi tape, put that round. Then there's elephants again, and then I found some stars, some gorgeous, like almost three dimensional stars because I think everybody loves stars because it's called shine light, and I like the idea of stars. I'll send you the blurb actually to go with it. I wrote like a poem to go with it, a paragraph. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll send you that. You could read it out when you do the um, podcast thing. I think you'll be quite impressed. Uh, they fell in love with it, uh, gosh, with the octagon and the little piece of poetry thing I wrote. And I added on some, um, uh, something that says, it's cool to be kind, because I thought kids would love that. And I found another sticker called uh, Good Vibes. And my niece had gone to Jamaica with her fella and brought me back some Jamaican stickers, which are gorgeous, a palm tree and uh, like a 
what would you call that? Peace, a peace sign. Lovely. Uh, in red, gold, and green. It looks gorgeous. And then I stuck some uh, rhinestones or stickers on, Demontes, the usual bling, bling thing, you know. And, um, uh, oh, and then I, then I thought, well, I think I'll think of some words. So I've got some glittery uh, stickers which say love. And then I've got um, words words which words which I took on called shine light because I thought that was dead important and funnily enough the shine light when you turn those words upside down you can see NHS so it's always got like a double message in it and then uh, I mounted it on some gorgeous blue paper because I because I like the color blue it's like an Indian blue and uh, anyway it's um it's been a great hit with them and uh, it was a really well-paid commission as well. So I was well chuffed. It's on my Instagram site right now. It's the most recent thing I've posted up. And is that going to end up in the actual hospital? Yeah. It's going to go online. And then in February, January, February, they're going to put it like physically in the, in the, they've got a gorgeous exhibition area, like in the reception bit of uh, Great Ormsby Hospital. So I was really pleased to be invited to do that. So just to go back a little bit, because we're zooming from me in Liverpool to you in your studio in London. Um, what was your, what is your relationship like to Liverpool now? And what was it like when you were growing up? And I know you wanted to talk about your dad as well. Well, my relationship to Liverpool now, let's talk about now and go back backwards, hey? Well, now... Well, you see, you know, because I come from an in the Indian community in Liverpool, the community of us Indian mm, posse, posse in Liverpool. So, I mean, like, uh, all the relatives, family, cousins, a lot of them are still there, unless they got married and had to, and ended up uh, elsewhere. But they've only gone as far as fields as Birmingham or uh, Manchester. Because I don't know if you know that when a, a lot of them have had arranged marriages, maybe a combination of a love marriage and arranged marriage, and people tended to get married to people in Stafford or Coventry or Birmingham or Wolverhampton. London was too far away because to organise loads and loads of coaches, because as you know, Indian weddings are like 400 people. Are we going to get like 50 zillion coaches all the way to London? So, you know, you know, they're not maybe selling ice cream, but they're probably running corner shops. I feel in a, in, a, in a way that I haven't really left. I've like physically left, but my, my head space is still there. I must say, you know, when I get to Lime Street Station, I always feel emotional. Butterflies in my tummy. You know, you can't describe that feeling to anybody unless you actually from Liverpool it's a real emotional experience you are sometimes you know wiping a tear or two away you know because um you know this was my childhood you know and even though I probably didn't go to Lime Street when I was little you know but I mean the fact that the train's pulling in you know it's it's a lovely feeling it's a lovely feeling you know I, f- I felt that when I moved back from London to Liverpool after university and I, I just had my bags with me and I got off the train and I had the same like, <gasps> like you feel like you're in a film. 
<laughs> you feel like there's cameras on you. <laughs> That's exactly how you feel. It does. It will. It, it's never going to go away, really, is it? You're just gonna, you know. I can picture now, as you've said that, getting off the train, walking through the barrier, seeing that massive clock, and seeing the steps, St George's Hall, and seeing that picture house on the corner, and thinking. So, shall I go to um, Luco first, or shall I head to the Tate, or shall I go in there, have a, have a, a cup of tea with somebody, or, 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 or a glass of wine, or, you know, you just do all the things that you have to do, you know. I mean, we're so lucky to come from the best place in Britain, Liverpool. I mean, you know, without cheering off, we are witty, you know. We are fashionistas. We know... We're very stylish. We're very creative. Um, we tick all the boxes that, you know, people in London think, you know, they are. But we call them like twice as much. We make people laugh. You know, we're friendly. So I, I, I'm really over the moon that I'm showing up your gallery, you know. And you could have said, well, we can't have anybody who's left Liverpool. It's only people who were there now. And I was thinking, oh, no, don't say that. I hope you don't. I couldn't come back to Liverpool when I'd finished at the Slade. I must have been 24 because, you know, my mum and dad, there was still a, pro a lot of pressure on me to have an arranged marriage. And um, that was obviously why I left Liverpool to go to Leeds. Apart from the fact that I did want to do printmaking, that was the only cause of a BA to do printmaking after I'd done me foundation at South Pole. Um, but, you know, I couldn't have gone back home. And in, and in the 80s, there was nothing there. There was absolutely nothing there in Liverpool. What would I have done? And immediately when I left the, the Slade, I got an artist in residency with South Hall Black Sisters and South Hall, what was it called? Uh, Asian and Afro-Caribbean Collective. Um, and it was GLC funded by Perminder V. So, you know, that was like, it was a job, you know, and I was doing workshops with some of the women from South Hall Black Sisters. Um, I also got the mural that I did, uh, the GLC anti-racist mural that I painted with Keith Piper. That would have been 83 or something like that, 82, 84. Then I got the Roundhouse uh, Mural Commission to, to cover the hoardings of the Roundhouse with murals. So it was like, it, 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 it was income coming in. And, um, and in those days, the only way to, to actually uh, uh, to, to sort yourself out was to create your own um, create your own idea that you'd put to the Arts Council or the British Council. The British Council were great actually in those days because I, they they managed to send me to South Africa, Havana, uh, 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 you know, in Cuba. I went to lots of places like that. And once you figured out what the criteria were and things like that, and also the Arts Council have to take applications were a lot simpler than they are now you know and now it's like you need a phd or a, or a, you know a postdoctorate research to figure them all out i mean flipping hair is diabolical but those days you know it was it's a piece of cake and um, you know a lot of us it was uh, you know and glc the glc in those days in london it was quite fantastic ken livingstone was running a you know there was um there was money flying around. There was opportunities for lots of us. Not so much visual art, actually, I have to say. It was mostly for film. 
because Perminda Vu was um was her her little thing was film. Uh, there was some, some for magazines and maybe some for theatre, but visual arts always got left behind as usual, you know. Um, and at the end, where the GLC were nearly wrapping up, she had something like eighty thousand pounds to spend. So she contacted me and Rashid Irene and Mona Hatoum and Sunil Gupta and said, would you like to do something? So that was when I wrote my paper on their voice being great black women artists. Mona Hatoum did her own performance. Rashid Irene did, did, did his own black artists. And um, Sunil Gupta did his own gay photography. So um, that money went just like that. So um, finally we were... Uh, they did something in the GLC for us. They didn't really do very much, you know. So um, that was uh, why it enabled me to stay on in, 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 in London. You know, you had to learn quite quickly how to um, put applications together. Because fortunately, I've got English A-level. It, it, that helped a little bit, you know. But you really had to work around the clock. It wasn't easy, but... If you, if you could, you know, if you could just work with it, it was okay. And that was, those were definitely conditions that went um, in place in Liverpool at the time. That was very London-centric. Yeah, very London-centric. I mean, I know for a fact that. So it was a bit of a good excuse to say to me, mum and dad, why are you still in London? And why haven't you come back home? But I did quickly uh, manage to get a shared ownership property and I was only 26, and uh, shared ownership properties were dead cheap then. Now they're quite astronomical. And uh, my mum and dad saw it, they came down, and my mum and dad said, God, it looks, this looks like a house, not a flat. And they were made up that, you know, because one of the things in Indian culture is, it's called rupti, gopra, or makan. Rupti means food, clothing, and shelter. If you have those three, then you're sorted. So, and also, when you're 26, in the... Uh, in, in, um, you know, with my mum and dad and lots of Punjabi families, if you don't get married by the 26, you're on the shelf. Nobody wants you. So I was like, that's fantastic. You know, I won't get any grief now off my mum and dad. And uh, so I was, it was great. I'd be flat. No grief from my mum and dad. I gave up on showing, bringing, uh, uh, introducing me to boys from India. We did in, when, when we were in Formby, I, did, I met a couple. Um, but that was the end to that. Then what was the end to that? But I mean, I could, I'm not, I've, you know, I can understand where they're coming from because it's not so much my mum and dad wanted me to get married off. It's the pressure from the community in Liverpool because you know they are quite conservative, but not conservatives as in they all vote because they all vote to the Tories. Just like they're a little bit straight, they couldn't really understand what I was doing. You know, because there you are. How can you explain to a lot of families in Liverpool, the Indian families, you know, who only ended up in Liverpool to start a school? And they're quite illiterate, unskilled. What art school is? I mean, if I didn't understand it, I would just expect them to understand it. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, like, obviously, going off to art school can be a lot to get your head around. But it's not like you know, your dad especially was without his own creativity. Like the first time I've I ever saw your work was at the exhibition in Cork in Ireland, and you know there's millions of different uh, prints on the walls, but one that caught my eye was uh, 
uh, like black and white image of your dad's ice cream van on the beach in Freshfields with this like giant tiger cut out on the top and I don't know I think it's just such a memorable image because so much of what you see from the past is like really dry and stiff and you know it's been captured in like this really straight way and then you look at that and it, it's just such an exciting image. Your mum and dad or your grandma and everybody would on a fresh beach and met me dad and bought an ice cream off them. I need to show them pictures. No, I know. I need to show them some pictures and see if they remember it. Fantastic. When my dad put a tiger on the top. And isn't that fantastic, you know, put a tiger on. My dad didn't know anything about cultural diversity. To put a tiger on, but everybody else was putting Batman and Robin. And he lived in Calcutta, so he must have thought, let's put a tiger on the top. God knows what the English community then probably thought. What's this van with a tiger on the top? I think that was a fantastic thing my dad did. And not only that, he sold tiger nuts, tiger nuts from the van. I mean, I don't know where the hell we got that from, but there was such a thing in those days as tiger nuts. So, so why did he? Why did he come from Calcutta then? Why did they move to Liverpool? Yeah, because he worked in Calcutta for. He would have to Jimmy Dad's a bespoke tailor. He's a he's a qualified tailor, and also a magician. So he was in he was in India in Calcutta. He went all the way from Punjab all the way down to Calcutta with me mum. I he must there must have been he must have heard about more work in Calcutta. Um, I'm not exactly sure why he ended up going all the way from Punjab to Calcutta. Um, never got to ask him that question, unfortunately. I'm sure our Peter knows. We seem to collect information. Um, and then, um, after partition, um, which your dad told me loads of stories about that, he used to say, what did they teach you at school in, in, in uh, you don't seem to know anything. I know, I know, I know, I know exactly, Dad, I don't seem to know anything. Usual stuff. I'm, I'm only doing catch-up now. You know, aren't we all? Yeah, all are. You know, but my dad was just horrified. But you know, you know, oral in the in the families, Indian families, a lot of information was passed to you with through storytelling. You know, so he starts to tell me that um, he, he felt like some of the uh, English in India had given all some of the posh people um, good jobs, and my dad felt they were bossing him around. So my dad must have got. He said, he must have said, went to the bosses and said, "Look, I don't like, the, I don't like the way the boss me around. You've got to send me somewhere else." Meaning, I'm thinking, in somewhere in India, elsewhere, and it's really, really sweet. This I do feel like quite emotional about this. They said, "You have entertained us as a magician so well." And so brilliantly, you know, you've made our, you know, you make our day. And they said, you know what? We would like to send you to Dunlop in Liverpool and speak. And I think my dad must have thought, well, how, how, how cool is that? Um, because, you know, in those days, I think a lot of families thought they're going to the West, going anywhere in Europe, I guess, but particularly to England was probably like brilliant, you know, could make 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 a lot more money. And uh, 
and then and then, and then, and then he came on the battery the ship it's called the battery um with another uncle called uncle dammy i'm not sure he didn't get a job but speak at dunlop and uh, and uh, you know i've got the ticket by the way i've got a copy of the ticket uh, with my dad's name on it and it was a lot of money and it was it worked out to be 70 pounds if you if you if you you know you in those days now, been a lot. i'm sure they um they paid for it you know because i don't know and then me, 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 my dad was married by then he had two little two little kiddies uh two little kiddies my big brother and my big sister and um but he left me mum behind he thought he better go and check it all out first mum and dad stayed behind that's how it was then mm-hmm. the, the, you know men folk went and uh, he ended up there and then he, i think he either ran away or something he obviously didn't like working for anybody i think by then he was like giving up typical Punjabis who don't like working for people and he then and this is like a a story which I could go on forever and ever and ever talk to you for days but he met a fella in a pub who called Uncle Roy who is Anglo-Indian so looks like same colour as you mind you looking dark today do gab <laughs> you look like you use it in the sun um, and he spoke fluent Hindi and um, he has an ice cream man and introduced me dad to the ice cream trade uh, hard ice cream because the ice cream fans are built in crew but he never knew that. Did you know that? No. Nope. You're learning a lot here. And um, and he took my dad to crew, and my dad hired a van from crew with the ice cream van to build. So my dad got a little van, a hard ice cream van. He, Uncle Kelly introduced him to how to go around the streets and everything. I don't think my dad found, would have found that quite difficult. Because he was a bit of a chatterbox, my dad. Typical uh, mixture of, you know, uh, Punjabis used generally are um and he went around i'm not sure he must have gone around bootle seath forth of probably the fair that he probably got was waterloo and obviously into town all liverpool lake everywhere like that and then my dad then sent a message to all the friends and families relatives in punjab and said look i can get you an ice cream van for you because they're all unskilled. Not many have been to school like my dad. My dad, how my dad must have learned basic English from being a magician and talking to the 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 the, the guys at Dunlop in Calcutta. And uh, so it's like he sent like a, you know, um, a, a, you know, message to all the relatives that come to Liverpool, get you a van. I've moved to uh, a big to a big house from Ash Street and Bootle to Hertford Road. My dad bought a big corner house. He must have made some money either from Dunlop or from selling ice cream, he got a big house. But you know, in those days, big houses must have been about 500 pounds, you know, weren't much, a couple of hundred pounds. And so everyone from India piled into this house, our house, and then my dad bought another house across the road and they all just piled in there. It's like one room with three three kids in it or, or whatnot, you know. And then, um, and then he'd got word to uh, three brothers in Punjab, and they're called Jats, and Jats are called landowners, and they had a few bob, and they um, ended up opening the factory in Jamaica Street, which is opposite Liverpool B and all the offices, and that ended up being 
the ice cream factory. And it wasn't like Walls or Whippy, it was called Bingo. They called it, they gave it their own name. So everybody who came over from India who sold tarts to sell ice cream, so there must have been or oh, more than a dozen, and it got more and more and more and more and more. And I think Italian fellas would probably buy this stuff from these three uncles. They're called the Canny Joes, they're three brothers. And, um, you know, that's where you bought the milk and the lolly ices and the, uh, the, 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 the screwballs and the shells and the boats, and they sold all the wafers and everything like that. And, um, and uh, that's sort of how it all worked out. And, and it was more like, a, um, a cooperative, co cooperative. So you didn't have to put any money out, shell any money out to buy any of this stock. You just uh, bought it and then uh, whatever you'd made or whatever you could give them, it covered it. You know, it was just all like a, and that's how, that's pretty much how Liverpool community grew and developed. So you've seen that film that I sent you called Villette made by, my, by our magic, by the history of Indian people in Liverpool. That explains a bit of it. So, because a lot of people, I have to say, do say, they've me never met a girl, uh, an Indian girl from Liverpool in London. Because um, we've, we've, we've ended up there in a different route than normally other people uh, how other families came to um, ended up in Britain and I think it was probably from Uganda and Kenya so where 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 all of us were born in apart from big sister and big brother born either in in, in India or born in Liverpool well, there is a very there is a very small connection to East African Asian families in Liverpool. You maybe you're probably more aware of that yourself now because if you meet anybody from Liverpool or India, they probably pretty much say we're from somewhere in India, usually Punjab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, and then we had ended up bringing his brother over. You know, the other Burman side of the family. So there's another Burmans in Liverpool as well, and so they're all still there now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, a nice sweet history, yeah. And then we bought this big house in Hertford Road, you know. I mean, and then, you know, I was very lucky. I went to Bed Betty Road School. So I'm assuming, um, we call it Bedford Road, but we call it Betty Road, our, our junior school. Uh, and I was really lucky that I, we had streaming then, A, B, C, D. A, B, C, I think, not D, A, B, C. And I was in the A stream, and that's our past 11 plus. So I would say that's probably helped me on the way to becoming an artist because, you know, I know where to boot the girls' grammar school and our Astro went to the secondary modern school in Brutal and that was like a prefab, like caravan site. And this Bedford Road uh, grammar school was like on a hill uh, in Brutal. It just looked like something out of a movie, something like it was extraordinary actually. The playing fields, you had, you had everything, netball, everything. And it was like, I would say it's probably like going to a uh, 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 Etonian school for girls, you know, because it was absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, you know, having that academic education has probably enabled me to 
to to um, serve the art world and managed to get where I am today, you know. And I, and then and then I'm, and when we moved to Formby, I ended up going to Waterloo Park School for Girls. And that school, um, uh, they put me in the science stream and said, you're really clever. And they said, you've got to do nine levels, but everybody's doing Latin. So what you like to do? I says, I've got to do art. And it was, I was made up because the school, the, the, the Bootle Girls Grammar School, they didn't do much art. It was all architecture. And I just couldn't stand it. And I couldn't, I was not interested in architecture. I just wanted to draw, 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 draw. Because I think I, was, I could draw when I was about four or five. Because when I was at, on my, in my infant school, I was always painted. I used to think, oh, look at this picture. And it was a tiger and a stream and something like that. Because we always used to watch Sabu when I was growing up. And, 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 and it was the Sabu boy in the, in the picture, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, it was, it was just fantastic. To, or, I mean, you know, I mean, th there's so many stories I can tell you because... You know, in, in, the, in, in the previous street in Ash Street, we were brought up by the street. The street brought us up because they were concerned that there's this Indian family. Mum couldn't speak English. So the street brought us up, you know, put us to bed, bathed us in a tin bath, gave us our cheese on a bit of toast before we went to bed. You know, um, you know, we had outside toilets and everything, you know, the front of the step was washed, scrubbed, you know, every day. There's street parties, the whole lot. But a Sunday school opposite that, that little house. And um, the English uh, women in the street became godparents. And, you know, a lot of people talk about racism. You know, what we're talking, it's a big issue now. Um, but, you know, that street, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't even be here now. So if, if people talk about, you know, do you ever have experienced racism from white people? I say, do you know what? I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't because of working class white people. You know, they really took us under their wing. Amira Sayal in her films, Anita and Me, she talks about white working class racism. Do you know what? When I saw that film, actually, I designed a book cover. I disagreed with her because it was not like that in, in Liverpool. And maybe it's particular pertinent to Liverpool, the Liverpoolians, I know that there was a lot of trouble in talk stuff. I know that some of the Afro-Caribbean community in those days suffered a lot of racism from the kids, that, the, you know, what went on in there. But I, I do think a lot of the kids in Liverpool, even then in the 50s and 60s, I think they did see eye to eye because the, 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 the world-class white communities and the Afro-Caribbean communities they did sort of work it all out, you know, at the end of the day, to a certain extent. Um, but anyway, going back to my childhood in Bootle, it was just fantastic. And when we moved to Hertford Road in Bootle, same again. All took us in, looked after us, cared for us, really worried about my mum and dad, you know, how, you know, all wanted to come to our house have Indian food, you know, everything, 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 you know. Um, it got a bit, got a bit, got, got a bit madder when we moved to Formby, because, you know, in Formby Village, you get these really, you know, these men who'd actually, um, you know, were probably part of the British Empire, would say, I say, I say, I say, dear, what are you doing in, 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 in Formby Village? Where, what, I say, where, where do 
do you come from? You know, can't even do a posh accent, but it was a bit like that. And I'd say, oh, well, here we go, here we go, you know. So it was a bit, it was a bit more difficult in Formby because, well, it's more middle class, isn't it? But there are parts of Formby, you know, the council flats. You know, so it's not yeah. all large. Not all large you are. And my dad was busy friends with John Moore's, you know, John Moore's University, because he, he lived down the road in, in Victoria Road. He had a massive big house, the house with gates and everything. And he used to turn up to, in his Royal Royce to Freshfield Beach. He became my dad's, my dad's busy mate. I got to know um, 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 James Moore's through my dad. You know, he said to a Liverpool being our He put me in the first Liverpool being our Um Well, to be honest, I just love this because. You know, you've given us such a full uh, image of what it was like to grow up in in Liverpool and, you know, from Bootle to Formby, which are two very, very different areas. And, uh, you know, how how that was kind of guided by your dad and what his job was and how he was able to bring more family over. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm interested in, because from what you're describing, it does sound like a bit of a, a, bit of a mixed experience to begin with, the then has a bit of a like a happy ending because you know you're still a full-time artist you're in, in a studio in London you've got shows all over the place but when you were at the very beginning of all this like did it take any convincing that you wanted to go off and do a foundation course like did you have to convince anyone uh, no did not convince anybody um I, I went, by the way, I went to Southport because I didn't want to go to Brutal. I could have done my foundation in Brutal, but it was too close to Liverpool. And, uh, I, I, and, I, and I wanted to get well away from Liverpool city centre. Because if anybody saw me in Liverpool outside, cousins or relatives, they snitched on me mum and dad, tell me mum and dad that I was a girl, you know. you know, And I thought, well, I better, I better, I better head towards Southport. And um, what happened was, when I was doing my A-level, the art teacher said to me, um, um, whispered in my ear when I was doing A-level art, you must go to art school. And I was thinking, what's he saying? I don't really, I don't, okay. I've just said, okay, okay, okay. Didn't quite know what he meant, like art school, what's that? And then he said to me, and then um, and then afterwards we chatted about it more. And then because I got the school prize, I got an A in art. And it's really freaky, this gap, because I got, I, they gave me a book on printmaking. And I've ended up specialising in printmaking. They must have read my mind. That's really what. That's fate. That's fate. I know. I thought that was dead freaky, that, you know. Um, so the reason why, so what happened was I said, okay, I've, gonna, I've, got to, I've got to apply to go to Southport College. So I did, and then say, come for an interview. This is, and this is a nice kind of, it's a lovely little, tiny little story, I'll say, in, in two seconds flat. Um, I was walking out of the house with a you know, massive portfolio. I don't know why it was big, because all this was me A-level stuff. I must have done a lot for A-level. Um, but I was taking it. I was going to catch the train from Formby to Southport. And my dad said to me, this is really sweet, gives me, what's that suitcase you're carrying? So sweet. He did what we did, wouldn't have, wouldn't know the meaning wouldn't understood that it's called a portfolio. It was not in our vocabulary, you know. I mean, and if you think about it, it's quite a posh word, you know, portfolio. Yeah, it is. So then, my dad said, "Do you want to take the car? Because because he thought I was carrying the suitcase." 
So I said, oh yeah. So I said, God, nice one, Dad. And I thought, oh, wicked, I'm going to turn up to call. Because we, we, yeah, we all got, um, my, my dad, my children, we all passed our driving test when we were 17. Because we, um, we had to go back and forward, you know, to a stock up from Freshfield Beach when my dad was sending us cream on the beach. We all, we all got taught how to drive when we were about 17. So I was, I was made up. I was there in the car going to Southport in this, like, serious, we had a serious car then. It was an Audi. It's a big, long thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. So then I turned up and uh, I knew there when then I got in. I can't remember the exact how the interview went, but it was it was just great. So um, and, and then and that's how am I basically I think I've ended up here today because um, did the foundation um, fantastic tutors. They're quite strict on us, um, and they all they all liked me because I know this sounds naff but they're all into transcendental meditation. And uh, some of them were posh, some of them were ordinary, some were all from all different classes, let's say. They had the head, not the headmaster, the head, the head of the art school. I got on with his daughter really well because um, she was a fantastic illustrator. So I got on really well with pretty much everybody, you know. Um, and uh, we even in, we even did a, a trip to the Hindu temple in the botanical gardens. Uh, to the uh, uh, got 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 a coach, and all the all the all the all the students from Southport Art College uh, piled into the coach, and my dad made a million samosas for us all. So when we got there, we could all have samosas. And they were all made up. I mean, Dad makes best muscles. So they, so it was, it was you know, if they're into transcendental meditation, the next thing I'm taking to the to the, to the temple, all that made up. So the um, it was great. The foundation was hard in that they really pushed us, and you needed to be pushed. What type of stuff were you making? Everything. It was like you had to go at everything. I don't remember having a much go film, but I definitely, oh, I did print make an A-level. I've got print make an A-level on top of my A-level because in those days you could do print make an A-level and photography A-level. <gasps> That's amazing. I've never heard of a print make an A-level before. Well, I know. And I've still got me print make an A-level etching in my studio here now. I'll have to send you a picture of it. It's a picture of a shell. Obviously, a shelf on the beach, and the Tate are going to get that, you know, because the Tate want to acquire my archive. Can you believe it? It says 1976 A level printmaking. Everybody's going to know how old I am now. Never mind. Um, and um, I had to printmaking A level, but you know what? It is very interesting because you're really learning about the relationship between metal and acid. It's chemistry, actually. It's not easy, but um, it, it is a good introduction. It is a good like lesson into what printmaking is about. That's why I think I'm a good printmaker. So then you went on to do your BA in printmaking at Leeds and the MA at the Slade School of Art as well. So what was the work that you were making between those two courses and maybe how did it change as well? Well, I think first of all, I better tell everybody that I wasn't allowed to go to Leeds. Mum and Dad were thinking about it. Indian girls do not leave home. What's the community going to say? Not so much of Mum and Dad. So I was 
honestly, I was dead lucky that my um, cousin sister lived in Dewsbury, near him like Benji. Benji means sister. And um, and they said, will she look after you? And I ended up in a student's residence and that was really mad because you had to fill in this form of where you wanted to live, you know, like the resident, uh, student residencies. Well, I saw one that says international students, students res residency. So I just thought, well, that sounds good, doesn't it? International? No. Oh my God, would you never know, guess when I got there? I was the only English, British born person in the re in the this halls of residence. They were all from it was fantastic. They were from Iraq, Iran, Nigeria, Malaysia, India, you name it. And I was sitting there going, Oh, flipping heck. And I just thought, I'm staying. I love I love it. And my cousin and sister, she used to check on me, but didn't check on me a lot then. Um, so that was how that, what that was. And, 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 and then I ended up specialising in printmaking because I actually didn't do a fine art degree, you know. I did what you call a communications degree. And that was it's graphics and communications in those days, you call it. And that was because the tutors at Leeds said there's only one course in the whole country. The foundation tutor, brilliant, was going to suit you. It's Leeds Polytechnic and they have a fantastic excuse me, um, printmaking course. So I did like a foundation like all over again in the first year, but I did do a bit of film then. And uh, then then I've done these body prints because we had to do a, a project on texture. Of course, of course, I go and cover myself in acrylic paint, I lie on a piece of paper, because I just thought there's textures for you. You know, I didn't want to do paper cutouts, paper, no, potato cuttings and rubbings. And so they all, they all said in the, on the foundation, it's not foundation, the first year, why don't you show these to the printmaker department? So when the printmaker department says, what do you think of these? And they says, they're fantastic. You can come and join us. You have to, you have to ask them, you know, it's only a floor above the graphics. The next thing I did printmaking for the next two years. So that was fantastic. And that's and that and then uh, uh, then they thought I was really good. Um, well, they thought I was good. Well, I loved it. You know, I loved printmaking. I just took to it. I took to it. I think I was a bit of a born printmaker. It was nothing to do with the A level printmaking. I love lithography. I love etching. I love screen printing. I love them all. I just loved it. And then, fortunately, uh, I got onto the Slade, and it was. I mean, I hit jackpot for the whole department. No one had ever. First of all, I don't know if anybody applied to Slade. I applied to Royal College, Chelsea, a Slade. And I got into Chelsea and the Slade. And then the Royal College says, could you apply again next year? And I thought, I can't really because I was still like running away from home in a nice way. I couldn't have taken a year out because they would have said, me mum and dad would have said, come back home. <laughs> I don't used to go home on the holidays, helped out on the beach. And um, so uh, I did uh, I did my printmaking. I got first class honours. Um, I made so much work. I filled up like several walls. Michael Rothenstein assessed me. He uh, 
He was connected to the Flowers East Gallery in London. I'm still friends with Matthew Flowers. Um, it all worked out really well, actually. It was, I mean, I did work hard because, you know, I've got this theory, you know, that when you're a woman and when you're a black artist, you kind of like have to prove yourself, not only to the art world, but to the, obviously to the indie community and the mum and dad. So you always have to be better than best. You know, if you were from a working class background, because they're never going to get you unless, unless you say, I've just got a first class honours. I've just got a, I've just got an A in art, you know, I'm going to the Slade or I'm going to the Royal College. And it's like the Red Royal in Indian family. It's like, Royal, are you going to go meet the Queen, are you? No, I'm going to Royal College of Art, you know. I did apply actually later on when I was at the Slade to go to Royal College and I did get in. But that all got mashed up because it was in the middle of the riots in 1981 and I was trying to help this boyfriend come hobby get out of jail because he got nicked by the police just for running down the street and uh, I had to go and get him out of Armley jail and I was in the middle of and I didn't apply for my um, bursary for uh, uh, the Department of Education and Science because obviously education our school was free in those days and then I thought I'd better go back to the Slade stupid me but never mind I was finished at the Slade and I made some gorgeous etchings to do with the rights my writers which are now in the, are in the Tate collection. So it all worked out well at the end of the day. All worked out. So one thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast as well is just the different video works that you're showing and maybe the stories behind them, the background. I know a lot of it involves your family um, and your also idea of like women and South Asian women in particular and how they're seen and how you want them to be seen as well. So for your exhibition here at Output. Uh, we're showing quite a few works. So there's gonna be Candy Pop and Juicy Lucy, uh, Dada and the Punjabi Princess, Kamla, Armour, and a clip as well of uh, a Northwest edition of Inside Out. So let's start from the top then uh, with, or maybe the oldest, which is Kamla, Tell us, tell us about that. What, what was that? Kamala's my mum's name. That's uh, her first name. Um, I wanted to make something about, um, you know what, it's, of course it's an awful long time ago. I can't actually remember if I had a brief, but I must have sent something into the Arts Council, otherwise I wouldn't have got funded. I think I wanted to say something about how my dad felt about being in Liverpool and... Uh, Maybe, you know, um, did they want to stay or did they want to go? Yeah. Well, he sort of, you know, he never really wanted to go back to India. But me, no, no, he may have wanted to go back, but not me mum. And he, we, we got him to, <laughs> we, I mean, I don't know how it all happened, you know. Me dad's, a, we just, just, just a natural actor. We didn't, we didn't say, you've got to say this or you've got to say that. We just said, pretend you're, 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 uh, what you call it, you're uh, ordering your suitcase, you know, you're packing, you know, and uh, I think he probably is an actor, you know, deep down inside, he loved every minute of it, you know, and uh, it, 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 so we got him doing that in, the, in, the, in, in, in his bedroom, and then, then there's the clip where he's chucking 
the uh, is pills into the in the mazy, but it's not a mazy. It's just a a pool of rain somewhere. You know, I shouldn't really be saying that, but anyway. <laughs> and um, and then he's thrown all like pieces of paper which look like photographs into the pond, the mazy, because he's saying, "Look, I'm off now. I'm going." You know, um, and then he chucks the suitcase in, doesn't he? And he walks down those streets with me, uh, an uncle that he picked up off the streets in Liverpool. Because, as you know, my dad, if my dad saw anybody in Liverpool who was, who was Indian, he'd just invite them around for a cup of tea. The next thing, they'd become our lodger or they'd become a, a relative. And my dad just found anybody who got like, there weren't many Indian people in Liverpool, so it, it, it's great when mum and dad were like that. Just welcomed anybody. So I don't know really what the gum I, I I rap over it, don't I as well? Yeah, but I've written that rap ages ago. And all magic helped me make that. I filmed we both sort of filmed it. He edited it and he says, Why don't you say you rap over? He says, No, nah, I don't really want to speak over. He says, No, you know, I think it'll sound I think it'll sound good, you know. And then you know, I was wrapped over it and then we you know, we filmed bits of Liverpool and then we dad going down the the entries uh, and uh, and um, so it was just like a kind of flashback to how he he would have wanted to have left Liverpool but it's a bit like a documentary come not a comedy because I mean it does make people laugh but it's not meant to be a comedy it's just you know uh, I know a bit of a can't really explain it actually. This is why I think with all of my work, I find it quite difficult to do explain because it's more like a visual, a visual insight into parts of Liverpool. Um, and remember, it was a while back, so all those bordered houses weren't really known about in London you know so we wanted to give people an insight or a view of some of the parts of the real Liverpool and this of the state it's in and the neglect by the government and the councils you know so wanted to show you know want to show it's a bit a bit about Liverpool a bit about Punjab, my rap. It's a bit of a mishmash of everything. And my dad opens up with, a f with there's fire is the, in it. And that's because, you know, fire is a very important element in um, Indian culture. When people get married, they walk around a fire. You know, I mean, fire fire is a, a, a fantastic element. You know, you know you've got the, so the acupuncture element, you've got fire, water, earth, metal. You know, fire can be a, a, a symbol of of, of, um, of reawakening, bringing things back to life. And um, so it's, it's, it's quite, a, 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 quite a pertinent thing in, in, um, in, me, in, in me culture. And, um, and he was saying his prayers. And it, 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 it's lovely the way that opens up. And then my mum's uh, lettering, my mum's, uh, 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 the way uh, I, I've written it, you know, because that was all like 
fireish, you know. Um, also, oh gosh, yeah, my mum had, had passed away already. So it is a tribute to my mum. It's yeah. like, it's, it's like a message to me, mum, saying, look, mum, we're still all thinking about you. Because, you know, we always believe in, um, you know, Hindu mythology that, you know, or, or you know, that you, you're, you, the body physically goes, but the spirit's all swimming around you. So felt like we were, it was we were talking to me, mum, up there and saying, mm-hmm. you know, my dad's thinking about going to back to India, but he doesn't know. So, you know, do you want to give him some advice and tell him what you should do? <laughs> that's quite sweet. That is quite sweet. So another video that's going to be in the show reel then is uh, Dada and the Punjabi Princess from 2017. So quite a bit more recent. Uh, can you tell us how that came about and, you know, what you wanted to, what you wanted to achieve with that video? Mm, well that was weird well that was a weird one because i applied to do people would come to my studio and they'd say you should make your weight move you should make your bindi girls move things should spin you know and i was going mm, what do you mean so i should make an animation yeah you should do an animation but you do a moving image it's particularly talking about the, the bindi girl pieces and i just thought that'd be quite cool if if they all could move. And I thought, well, maybe I could have a go of making an animation. And then I thought, oh my God, they they are quite difficult because you have to do so many little, millions and millions and millions and millions, and millions of drawings. But I still had the idea of doing an animation. And um, I think I wanted to obviously say something about, you know, my usual stuff about challenging stereotypes of us Asian girls. I wanted to, perhaps, you know, talk about empire, imperialism, um, use R. Peter's music in it. Um, uh, oh gosh, a multitude of things. I wanted to talk about um, how Indian culture is a very matriarchal culture, you know, it's having to dig up patriarchy, um, I want it to be, have a real, really girly feel. Oh, I wanted, oh yeah, now I remember. I wanted it to have, you know, like, um, Laura Croft, Laura Croft? Is that an Indian Laura Croft? Is that right? Is that Laura? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I wanted to do something like that. So this, the girls, the dancers, to go through all the different emotions, you can imagine, that we all feel as women, and, you know, like, you're sad, you're happy. So it's like a, a journey from, like, being down in the dumps, you know, and coming right out on top of everything. Like, it's about how us women, we're survivors. We can, you put us through anything, and we will get through there somehow one way so it's talking to i guess because as i think i write a lot of my work does talking to women um empowering us you know because as you know we're, we're stereotyped everywhere you know telly tv 
television films everywhere. So you'll see the way. And when the girls arrived into my studio, I turned the studio into like a studio with a green screen and everything. They, um, the film, the, 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 the film lad was somebody who I met at a Campbell School of Art because I'd just got my honorary doctorate from, from UAL and had to mark, um, the MA in digital course and he, he'd made a VR thing and I just thought you're an absolute genius would you like to come on board and be my technician and help me make this movie it's not a lot of money I only got like 15,000 from the Arts Council but I thought I've got to do something and then he set up a green screen in his studio and these two uh, dancers I got them from Indian Academy of Dance my friend Mira Kaushik he's a director of Indian Academy of Dance so to Mira could you find me two dancers and it was absolute stroke of luck because there were two girls all being interviewed for a commission that she was asking them to apply for. And they just happened to be sitting in the waiting room. How, what a stroke of luck is that? And I just said, look, I'm making this movie. Would you like to join? Would you like to, would you like to um, come down my, turn to my studio? Because I knew I wanted to have a moving, moving bodies. I didn't necessarily want them to dance. I just wanted them to move. Um, because they would represent the Bindi girls moving. Something had to move, you know. So they were going to be like spinning tops or girls doing And then one of them happened to be a South Indian dancer, Bharatanatyam, South, South Indian. And the other was Northern Indian dancing, Kathak and Bharatanatyam. So it's just absolutely perfect. So when they walked into my studio, they had their, their bag on them and their top and everything. So I said, look, can you just literally stay like that? And if I just put some music on, could you dance for me? And they were thinking, she's nuts, you know, in a nice way. And I said, they didn't really know, but they were really up for doing. And I think they were up to doing it because of something different than what they usually do. Because normally they'd, you know, change into the beautiful, gorgeous dance, dancing outfit. And uh, I filmed doing that. And um, they stayed for a good while. So we had loads and loads and loads of streams of film footage and then the next day but that was um uh one of the dancers the second day um barbati arrived and she asked her to do something similar but um i then brought in a suitcase full of all my clothes and i said would you wear my clothes and then i in i directed her She's the one who does more of the facial movements, uh, whereby I asked her if she could look like she was sad or she was angry or she was screaming at the world. And this was my first um, time I'd ever directed anybody. I mean, it was a bit scary because I didn't want to really boss her, boss her about, but she was really up for it. And as you can see, she wore a man's suit, which is my suit. She wore my corset, which was mine. She didn't, have, she didn't, didn't really have much on it. And uh, we just basically just collected a lot of footage, which was then collaged together, I'd say, with uh, stills, my own artwork stills, a lot of kaleidoscopic stuff, because I... I've got an iPad app, which is called Kaleidoscope, and I'm always making drawings from that app. And I showed them all to, um, to, to Charles, who was at Campbell, and I says, 
can we can we can we literally collage all this together you know because i'm always into layering because the way i make my prints is about layering so we just pretty much layered everything you know and then our peter gave me the soundtrack i was wondering what the heck was going to do with the soundtrack and our peter had um he'd made it and and so it, 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 we didn't have to get ro uh, what to call ro royalty checks um and you know what it fitted like a glove it was like brother and sister you know uh synchronicity it was like unbelievable and um that's how that like came together i mean um i mean it, it is it is just I mean, I, 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 I was just, I, I don't quite know how, how it ended up looking so gorgeous. I think I just wanted to make a point of colour in it, flowers, because I love flowers from the Hindu temple. Um, the, and on the table in the studio, it was full of um, stuff from the flat, like, you know, you know, those, those things that, if you want to learn how to draw those, those wooden models, you know, and uh, just I just brought a heap load of stuff from the flat, and Charles brought a heap load of stuff, you know, and we we filmed them. I danced in the movie for a bit. Um, I wanted it to be like OTT color, you know. The girls really like showing how fantastic they were. Not not specifically around dance, more like about around movement. Um, because I've always liked movement because I've been a martial artist, and um, I don't know. We wanted to just make it really upbeat, so it was like going from down in the dumps to basically saying, you know, we can survive. It's a bit like that song, "We Will Survive." Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, um, and Dada and the Punjabi Princess because I love the Dada movement. Okay, that makes sense. And then a shorter film from 2008 that has got, you know, lots of ice cream uh, truck soundtrack was Candy Pop and Juicy Lucy. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. It's it's yeah. really to do with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh well, wanted to make a film on my dad's ice cream van. I've got I had an ice cream van, a replica of my dad's ice cream van. So we use that we use that as the as the as as the object of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Filmed it because wanted to film the interior of the van. There's all these those mad teddy bears and all these kitsch things inside the van. Wanted to use the soundtrack, ten ten ice cream chines. Wanted to add my stills of my, my own work in there. Uh, it was for the show at the Stephen Lawrence Gallery, and I got a, a, a lot of funding to do a whole project on me dad being an ice cream man. So um, there was the, the the ice cream corners I, I sprayed with glitter and, and screwballs. That that was in the show at the Stephen Lawrence Gallery, and then there was um, oh my my own collage works, and then I thought, well, um, the Arts Council paid me to buy a van gave me £5,000. I could use that out of the budget. And we went all the way to Bristol with our Peter because this fella who sold ice cream vans, uh, we found, found it online 
and we drove all the way to Bristol. And uh, he said, there's the van. So he said, we said, okay, give us the key. Put the key for the door. Me and our Peter just froze. We said, it's me dad's van. And I says, well, it can't be me dad's van because we're in Bristol. And then we said to the fella, he's Italian guy, because obviously a lot of Italians in the ice cream did, which says, this van is exactly like me dad. We're, we're having a bit of a freak out here. He's dead nice, you know. He says, no, it's my dad's van because your dad and my dad of the same generation. And it's those that generation, there was a, several of those vans were identically built. So you are basically standing in my dad's van because dad is in your dad's van. And we were just having, a bit like what I told you when we landed, landed in Liverpool, we're just like all emotional, you know, because as you know, I clean that van every single night, you know, when I was like uh, from the age of like about, 14 to 19, you know, I mean, lived in the van, you know, and all Peter served in the van when my dad retired for a bit because it was like, oh, we were just standing there and we just like froze for a minute. We were really emotional and the keys dead tiny. We just put, you know, it looks like a lock, you know, those pound pound padlocks you get. Looked like one of those keys, you know, that's the type of key it was. And we stood there and we said, um, no, we're going to take it. We, we'll have it now. You know, we, we bought it there and then. Ended up spending about two hours chatting to him. You know, Italians like scousers and Punjabis never stopped talking. It was lovely. It was just a lovely, lovely feeling. And then he'd, he'd made sure it was MOT'd, so we drove it back, straight back to London, wobbling in the wind. I don't know if ice creams are meant to go on motorways, but it was like, you know, swaying in the wind and everything. And then... Um, Brought it back and then I did it up, did it up. Uh, our, pe our magic helped me paint the outside. I added all that text in which says, make me an offer. It was a bit like, a bit cheeky really, you know, make me an offer. Meaning, how much do you think I'm worth? <laughs> and then hard to get. You know that phrase, you should play hard to get. And hard, being ice cream. So it was a play on all those words, hard to get, make me an offer. Pretty much, you know, feminist, have feminist connotations to some of these words that I like to think I find and join together. Um, I uh, put stars and all kinds of things in the inside, cover the whole seat in mirrors that over from India. Um, oh, we just sort of zazzed it all up, really. So you picked up this van, brought it back to London, jazzed it all up, and then is that what you filmed in order to make Candy Pop and Juicy Lucy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We basically filmed the inside and the outside. It was used as a, I used it as a travelling gallery. We took it round a uh, uh, or, 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 or it was. It ended up being a project with Innova. Actually, India Innova put a whole load of money in Institute International Visual Arts. Put a load of money. In. So, um, so, so it was used to go to uh, youth clubs and community centres in mostly in East London because I thought kids would love to actually step into a van and they loved it. I thought, how many kids would like to actually have buy an ice cream, sit in a van, walk around sit on the ledge you know and um so that's what i did use for quite quite a long time um and then uh, i filmed it you know for this um candy pop and juicy lucy 
and we called it Candy Pop and Juicy Lucy because all Peter's a brilliant one of thinking of titles for things. And obviously, if you're working in an ice cream van, all the there is an ice cream, there is a lolly ice called Juicy Lucy, and probably mm. one called Candy Pop. So we join the words together. I love that you've just said lolly ice. Lolly ice, yeah, horn and a lolly ice. No one says it. No one outside of Liverpool says lolly ice. <laughs> I know. I call it a cone. I'm going to have an ice cream. It's a cornet. It's a cornet. You know, you have a cornet. Can I have a cornet, Mr. Berman? And a, and a, and a, and a, and a lolly ice. Have you got any broken lolly ices, Mr. Berman? Yeah. So there is one film also that you made during lockdown in collaboration with Suzanne Dietz. Um, can you tell us very quickly about that as well? Well, do you know what? That, I was a bit tiddly when I made that because I'd just finished doing that Zoom meeting with the Tate directors, you know, and I told you I had to make show them those ideas and it really went well. I don't, I don't know what I mean by that. I was made up that was over and it was all finished and Alex Ferguson thought I was, you know, best thing since sliced bread and everything like that. So in knocks Suzanne, she knocks on my door and goes, she said to me something before about doing something, and I said, she goes to me, you know these stickers that are on your table? I said, yeah, they're called body stickers. You stick them on your arms, you know, for weddings or parties. She goes, um, do you fancy doing something with these? And I says, well, I suppose I could stick them all over my arm, you know, a bit like, well, like a bit like tattoos or something like that. And she said, yeah, yeah. She goes to me, no, I, I could film you. I could film you uh, doing that. I says, a bit of fun really I said but they're all in the packets I says well that's a good idea because I had to cut the packets open and as you know I love collage you know I just thought well I could give me a pair of scissors I'm well away you know and I just said oh I'm cut the packets open yeah so you're gonna film me cut the packets open stick them all over my arms well by this time I'd had about one and a half glasses of wine and I'm so lightweight in my, in, in, now, in, uh, you know, where I am now, I just says, let's do it. Anyway, I know Suzanne's makes some good films. And she's just literally down the corridor. And uh, she just started filming it. And, uh, and she had to do something. She had to do this series of films. And she was stuck on the last one. And she had to do it by midnight. Because it's this thing that she was involved in. So she said, look, would you, I'd really appreciate this help. And I just thought, well, let's just go for it. And then she found some, yeah. but we've got, we've got, we've got proper music now, which has got, it's not, it's, 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 uh, it's all, it's all clear in terms of copyright because our magic made it. Um, so, and that's great. I found out of music that all magic made. Because oh, our Peters made the music for Dada on the Jabber Princess. We've got our, our late magic's movie, a uh, uh, music that I made with his, is 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 with Vicky, who who he married, you know, who still lives in Doctor. So Vicky's made up because she's going to bring her kids down to go and see it. So it was all really panned out perfectly. And, and when I saw it, I went, flipping heck. I mean, it's a lovely little thing. Yeah, I think it works really well in the show reel as well of all the different works. So I'm gonna end it there because and I'll have to edit this down, but we've been speaking for nearly two hours and my microphone's about to run out, but I knew I expected this because you can just talk forever and ever and ever. So 
can talk, we can talk cows of, uh, what's that, what's that phrase? The cows have come home. Come yeah. 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 So I've got a mouth like the Mersey Tunnel. Plus I do feel quite emotional that I'm talking to you, Gab, because I don't really meet many Scousers in London, you know, and the fact that I'm doing this show in Liverpool, I just think, I can't tell you I'm over the moon. And I've got school friends like Janet, who was at school with in my sixth form, in, in my lower six and doing me O-levels, she's going to go and see it, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, Janet's going to see me. She's going to, you know, you just think, oh, my God, you know, she's going to go with all her, her kids and, you know, uh, you know, and then um, I'm going to get my cousin McGurge to try and pop over. I've heard that, the, 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 the you know, the Tate are going to tell their team to go over, you know, um, Helen Legg, I'm sure she's going to pop over. You know, um, I think it's um, it's um, it's just so fantastic. It's like I'm going back home, but I'm taking films. And not only that, I'm taking me movies, which in London people don't seem to know enough about, you know, and people don't even know I'm actually, I'd make films and movies. No, I know. It's, it's great that so many people from your childhood will be able to see what you've done since, what you went off into the world and made, but also for the art world and for contemporary art writers and critics to be able to uh, see you as a filmmaker. It's kind of nice, I think, in some output shows to focus on one medium like that. So yeah, really grateful to be able to show your work. Uh, If you have enjoyed this podcast and you want to find out more about artists that Output has worked with, we've already got a few episodes up. So we did an origin story about how the gallery came to be. And then we did artist interviews with two recent exhibitors, Joseph Cockgrave and Lo Tierney. So yeah, thank you, Shyla, for speaking to us. You can find out more about Shyla's work on her website if you want to see the full archive it's shyla-kamari-behrman.co.uk and shyla's also on instagram at shyla behrman and on twitter at ck behrman if you want to find out more about output gallery our website is outputgallery.com and we're on instagram and twitter at output gallery and on facebook as well if that's where you like to spend your time on the internet so shyla's show is on from august the 6th until the 30th we're open thursday to sunday uh 11 till 5 at the moment when outputs like normally open every single day of the week but we've got different hours in this like weird time after lockdown so bear with us while we get back to normal uh thank you so much for listening the next episode will be an artist interview with golda canby and i really look forward to filming that and then sharing it with you all so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon bye bye